All right, Billy, this is probably our last episode for the year. Uh, what do you, you want to do? Let's just pull an Avengers Endgame and do a victory lap. You heard it, folks. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? Right, Let's rock indeed. Welcome to what is... Uh, well, even... No matter what happens, even if for whatever reason you do have time to record next week mm-hmm. and we decide to do Porn Dogs then... Sure, yeah. This will get cut out. This will always... Definitely be the last episode of the year. Absolutely. Uh, so welcome. Let's just reset that entirely. <laughs> We're leaving all of that in. Uh, all of that in. Let's rock indeed. Welcome to 1000 Wives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of weird movies. Yes. Uh, we. <laughs> I think it's finally time to retire the old slogan, because we don't talk about weird we don't, other things that much. Yeah, every once in a while we do like a recorded stage show, which is essentially a movie. Yeah. And one time we did an old LP. Yes. <laughs> I would love to find more weird stuff, but we should. it's hard to do like books, because they're so much more time consuming. Books are, t- are hard. Video games the same way. TV shows. Uh, TV we've, shows. We've been wanting to talk about The Return for ages. Oh, yeah. And man, uh, that would be difficult. And also Japanese Spider-Man. Japanese Spider-Man. I'll tell you, I'll go right off right now and tell you the weirdest thing aside. The weirdest thing I've ever heard on a record is Ali and oh, yeah. the Tooth Decay. No, it's gang. insane. It's, it's insane, insane that, it, that exists. Before that, the weirdest thing I'd ever heard on an, on a record was uh, I, when I was a kid, there was this there was this company in the 50s called Peter Pan Records that produced record stories of DC superheroes. And the weirdest thing that I ever heard on one of those was in the theme song, they only had one guy doing the voices for everyone, and they had a roll call of all the Justice League members. <laughs> so Wonder Woman's voice was literally, here, like that. But even weirder, Batman was the last one, and he'd run out of voices by the time he got to Batman. So it's like, Superman, here! Aquaman, here! And Wonder Woman, here! And then it gets to Batman, and he's like, here! <laughs> and I have wanted for the rest of my life to hear Batman in anything just be like, Hey, Robin, we gotta go fight the Joker! How you gonna get it? Oh, the Joker, he's always getting my goat. <laughs> Every riddle, the only answer I can come up with is a spicy meatballer. <laughs> you say, riddle me this, I say, hey, I fuck you. Says, riddle me this, I say, I don't have time for this. <laughs> I got a sauce simmering. <laughs> I got a sauce simmering. Alfred's like, I'll make the sauce. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you British prick. You don't know how to make a size of gabagool. Anyway, what this episode is, <laughs> is Billy and I are just going to talk about the movies we watched this year, yep. not for the show. We're going to try to talk about stuff we watched together so we're not just yeah. monologuing at each other. Sure. But we have also watched our, a fair share of stuff on our own right? that we might talk about. Our lives aren't all on Mike. You don't know everything we oh get up God, to. Oh my God, and the interesting lives we've led. The- <laughs> led. Um, uh, clearly not that interesting because we spend a lot of it watching movies. I watched an obscene amount of movies this you year. Did. You did. You watched uh, far more movies than I did, mainly because I fell down an actual play D&D podcast hole and never fully climbed out. It happens. Yeah. It happens. We go through hyperfixations. Mm-hmm. 
couple years before this, it was Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah. And Grant, I've always loved movies, but I will go through cycles. Yeah. This year, I really went out into the fucking wilderness. I <laughs> Like, when I say I watched a lot of movies, I'm talking about, like, mm-hmm. when the Taliban talks about the ungodly nature, the obscene, the decadent nature of Western culture. Like, that's right. the amount of movies I'm watching. <laughs> You watched a McDonald's amount of movies. I watched enough movies to cause another 9-11. <laughs> is what I'm saying. If, if, some, gotcha. if some terrorist stumbled upon my letterbox page, right. uh, he would be, he would like this. He is... would be upset. <laughs> is there anything you want to talk about first? Um, I don't know. We didn't really go into this with very much of a plan. No, absolutely not. So I'm not sure where, where to start. I will say that, I guess let's start with a very sort of norm core thing to start off with is we do talk about weird movies uh let's sort of talk at start at the kitty end of the pool sure uh one thing that we both watched this year was a movie called bill and ted face the music yes we did uh, the, obviously the bill and ted trilogy as it is now as it is is now has has been around since the 80s i like to think forms. of it as a trilogy a trilogy uh, excellent. There's a big thing nowadays, as anyone with a pulse knows, of bringing back nostalgic shit from the 80s and just milking it for all it's worth. Yes. If you told me that the best example of this would be Bill and Ted, that Bill and Ted would be able to come back after all those years and actually still feel like Bill and Ted, where Star Wars, Star Trek... All these other franchises, Ghostbusters, have completely shat the bed when it comes to this. I would not have believed you. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's why that was possible. Mm -hmm. Is because as much as I enjoy the Bill and Ted movies, which Mm -hmm. I... I had seen them previously, like on Comedy Central back when I was a kid. But I rewatched them this year. Yes. Fucking love them. Yes. Aside from those F-slurs. Yeah. Those haven't aged well. No, they have not. I wish that they had done more to acknowledge those in the new one. That's my that would have been that's nice. My one complaint, but I'm sure they also don't didn't want to call attention to the fact that they're there to people who haven't seen the movies in a while. Fair enough. Yeah, but here's the thing: is Star Wars, Star Trek, Ghostbusters. These are things people base their personalities on. Very true. Yes. Not. I don't think a lot of people do that with Bill and Ted. So there was not no, there was not don't. a lot of pressure. There was not a lot of pressure. Yeah. And also, expectations were low. Yes. I was not expecting a lot from Bill and Ted Face the Music. No. I was. Uh, I, I hoped it was at least fun, mm-hmm. which it absolutely was. But there was not... Like, I wasn't on the edge of my seat being like, this is going to rock. Right. I remember thinking, I remember hearing about Bill and Ted 3 coming out and being just sort of like, Ugh, I guess we're doing this. And then I yeah. saw Keanu Reeves on the Graham Norton show, and they asked him, like, is this really happening like that sort of attitude and he fired back with such excitement and passion immediately like he was just like yeah it's bill and ted and they're coming back and they're like old and sad that's really funny man and i was like this isn't just a paycheck for you like you care about this project keanu reeves doesn't need to take paycheck movies anymore I mean, he still does. He did that that movie about the the the, the two ladies coming in and fucking with it, with him. But that one horror movie. Maybe he thought that would be better than it was. <laughs> but no, Bill and Ted Face Music was great. Yeah, and the two actresses who played their daughters were fantastic. One of them, yeah. one of the newest screen, screen 
one of the newest screen queens. We're both drinking during this episode. Just this so you is know. our office party. <laughs> This, this is, is our this is our office party. Yeah, Billy usually abstains. Yes, usually. But I, I bought him a truly lemon tea. Yes, and he's going to have the equivalent of two beers today. Yeah, which is usually enough to get me fucked. So we're we're gonna we're this is gonna be fun anyway. <laughs> but one of whom is modern screen scream queen. It's a hard phrase to say. It is. Yeah, Samara Weaving. Yes, who is in Ready or Not, the movie I was just extolling the virtues of to you. Right, she was in. She's also in the two babysitter movies, which I have, which seems to be a sort of Napoleon Dynamite thing of you either love it or you despise it. Oh, yeah, but yeah, Bill and Ted was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. All right. What, what, what would you like to talk about next? Let's talk about a movie that we both saw some time ago. I rewatched more recently. Sure. And I've actually watched this movie three times this year. Nice. Uh, the night is short. Walk on, girl. What a. Mm. What a masterpiece. Now, this one needs a little bit more explanation because yes. it's not as ubiquitous as Bill and Ted. Exactly. This is a fairly recent mm-hmm. Japanese animated movie. Yes. I'm not going to say it's an anime film because it's really not an anime style. Yeah. When you think of anime, there are certain like tropes or certain stylistic things that you think of. Sure, there are lots of different styles of anime, but they all kind of share this sort of cohesive... Yes. Uh tone i guess and and this this uh, is a much it's almost sketchier it's it's not especially detailed it's just it, uh, it almost feels like a modern day version of those really old american cartoons like uh, the the betty boop ones with cab calloway in it where everything yeah. is a, just a little bit more loosey-goosey the physics are not entirely consistent yeah but this is a movie that i watched and i i think i had a dvd copy that i gave you mm-hmm it is, and this is something we might, a uh, little bit of a forewarning. This episode might also act as a preview for next year's slate of movies. Very much, very, very likely. Uh, where we're, The Night is Short, Walk On Girl could appear. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some others that will probably appear. Yeah. I mean, we we watch a lot of movies, and, and yeah, we're not going to get as in-depth so there'll still be something for people to watch. Yeah, we're just sort of sketching over stuff, giving some recommendations, yeah. uh, chatting. But The Night of Short Walk On Girl follows a young girl and a young man mm-hmm. who have parallel nights. Yes. And it sort of goes through all four seasons in mm-hmm. one night. There's, uh, It's very episodic. There's a night out drinking, and then a night at the book fair, and then a school festival, and then everybody gets sick. And this isn't any spoilers because it's not, what comes before doesn't really inform what comes next for these episodes. I mean, it all has a running plot, Mm -hmm. but, and it's so charming and just so So, heartwarming and genuinely funny. It's, it's the ultimate, for me anyway, it's, I think for you as well, it's the ultimate I'm in a bad mood and I need to feel good about life right now. It's one of those movies like Singing in the Rain yes. or Paddington 2. Oh my God. Where Paddington it's just too. pure joy on film. When are we going to talk about Paddington 2? We definitely need to do it. I'd sort yeah. of like to do a kids month. Sure. Uh, you know, for all the children that listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Oh, I'd for, love to do Paddington For all too. the parents that listen anyway. Paddington 2. What a masterpiece is, that movie is. We should... When aliens eventually come here, <laughs> before we even try to communicate, we just need to send them a Blu-ray copy of Paddington 2. Sure. 4K if it's a release. I don't know if there's a 4K release of Paddington 2 Probably. Probably. Uh, we won't explain to the aliens how to watch it. <laughs> 
this is their riddle to see if they're worthy of humanity. <laughs> if you can watch and appreciate Paddington too, right. then we'll tell you about racism. <laughs> if you can watch and appreciate Paddington too, we can hang out. Weirdly, Paddington too, like just the Paddington movies teach a lot about the darker side of humanity. Yeah, Paddington 2 is all about prison reform. It is. <laughs> and it's great. So I think I think it is a great movie to show to aliens if aliens are like, show us a reason why we shouldn't blow you up. We show them Paddington 2 and it's like, hey, we acknowledge that we are messed up, but we're trying to do better by showing each other CGI bears all the time. We sent the bear to prison, but we made up for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's the night of short walk on girl. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's no, right. That's what we were talking about. It's beautifully animated. It is. It's it's highly recommended. Now I watched this with a half Japanese friend of mine. She's American, but is obviously immersed in the culture. Her mother is Japanese. Her grandparents, and she has a room to talk. Right. She was not crazy about. She thought the female representation of the main unnamed girl, the Otome. Mm -hmm. uh, was sort of cliche, sort of not mm -hmm. as female positive as it could have been. Okay. That's that's certainly fair. She thought it played into a lot of cultural things that Japan could do better. Well, I, I think that obviously I have much less room to talk than she does. Mm -hmm. I think that... Because you're Chinese. Because I'm Chinese, exactly. Well, as far as our listeners know. Well, you're from Taiwan. Uh, we won't okay. get into it. We won't get into we it. It's a whole thing. We it's really depend thing. on that China money. We, do. Uh, we can't. <laughs> Taiwan's a powder keg. Right, right. I, I'll just I'll just say that, um, yes, I that is something that the audience should know, is that Japan often has an issue when it comes to being weirdly okay with how rapey its culture can be. Well, that's this, not... this movie does have that A little problem. bit. A, A little bit. Especially at the very beginning. Yeah, sort of. But she mm -hmm. defends herself. She She's oh, yeah. capable. She takes care of herself. She seemed like a great character to me, but I don't have the cultural background your friend probably yeah. does. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was very cute, very mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. I thought she had her own agency and sure. took matters into her own hand. And... I just I just thought I would bring that up as a warning because when my wife Kaylee and I were watching it for the first time and that stuff happened right at the very beginning, that was like a, oh, you know, sort of, but that happens in every anime yeah. that you watch. Like that shit happens all the time and it, you just, you, you shouldn't ignore it, but you should like take it in, absorb it and then move on to the next thing. Look, yeah. look, look for the good stuff. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Sure. Uh, let's keep, keep, uh, on the, on the lighter end of the spectrum to start with. Uh, I finally got to see, uh, Black Dynamite. Yes, you did! Which is a huge thing. So, so back in high school, I was not, well, back in freshman year of college, I think was when this, when I actually saw this. I was not the, the person that I am today. You're not the hip, cool, confident... <laughs> Yeah, confident. sexual dynamo. Yeah, exactly. I assume. Right. Yes. Exactly. All I know is what I hear through the phone taps. <laughs> exactly. Which, yeah. I don't know how the phone taps are picking up your sex noise unless you're calling your parents. <laughs> 
back back in college, I was a much more closed-minded person. I found a, a Facebook post, like a, one of the first Facebook posts I ever made uh, recently using Facebook's like Wayback feature. And it was just something like, I hate art films. Anybody who watches art films is stupid and wears black and has long hair and stuff like that. And I'm, and I'm just reading it as like, what the fuck was I talking about? And now I, we literally on this show, like weekly find things to, to, to confuse or, or scare me. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and honestly, most of what we've covered on this show is not that outre. Yeah. Like, we've, we have not gone yeah. super hard, which is a thing we should rectify in the new year. In the new, yeah, that's that's our new year's resolution. Go fucking harder. Yes. Uh, watch watch Greasy Strangler in the new year. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But we'll, we don't we'll, have to. We'll, we'll You're find the one who cool brought shit. it up. Yeah, that's true. This is the first like uh, movie I'm scared of watching I could think of. I just mean like, especially older stuff, more obscure stuff. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely, somewhere around sophomore or junior year, I suddenly thought, hey, maybe watching movies that are completely outside of my realm of experience is good, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, in in, in a freshman year of college, in this incredibly closed-minded, conservative uh, worldview that I had, I tried to go and watch Black Dynamite and thought it was just awful. Which I don't know how you could do that. I I think it it was for two reasons. One, one of the very first things you see in the movie is him having a... Four or five way. Yeah. <laughs> He's coming, 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 right. coming. Which is hilarious. But at the time, I was, again, very conservative and very uncomfortable with anything even remotely sexual. Gotcha. Uh, so the fact that that was like our introduction to the character just scared the shit out of me in a way I was not able to understand and quantify in my head so at the time i was just like what a bad joke but in my what i didn't realize until we were watching it again and had i had a flashback i was like oh that scared me oh okay that actually like terrified me as 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 a person was like just like oh no sex interesting yeah and then on top of that we discussed this while we were watching. I was expecting something more like Mel Brooks or the Zucker Brothers. Yes. Like a gag a minute sort of just like, oh, there goes this suit kind of like uh, thing. And then the movie itself is actually much more like the Adam West Batman series or John Waters stuff where it's all very tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Played very and st- taking the dumbest shit and playing it entirely straight. And they're also parroting the making of films. Yes. A lot of the jokes are about... Um, the fictional making of story of the film itself. Yeah. Like the fact that... Uh, what's his name, the main actor? Michael Jai White. Michael Jai White is not playing Black Dynamite. He's playing an ex-football star who is playing... Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite, which is fucking genius. Yeah, and like he, he's... I listened to the... Uh, I've not watched that movie. We watched it a few months ago. Yes. I've not watched that movie in like 10 years. Right. But I still remember listening to the audio commentary. And Michael J. White talks about how the football player, Ferrante mm-hmm. Jones, yes. has had like a neck injury. <laughs> so he can only turn his neck like so far. Such a fucking small detail. What a, but Such what a great, commitment. That's 
I, I I don't like making blanket statements like this, but I feel like I must. That's what acting is all fucking about. Yes. <laughs> is making yeah. those little choices that make that's, all the fucking difference. That's like passion acting. Yes. By the way, Black, Black Dynamite is a parody of black exploitation film. Right. If you don't know what Black Dynamite is. And sort of like I'm going to get you sucker, but I enjoy it more than I'm going to get you sucker. I think it's more popular than I'm going to get you sucker. Probably now. General. Um, was it not when it first came out? Well, I'm going to get you suckers from the eighties. Oh, fair enough. So that had yeah. a long, longer time to be yeah. the definitive black exploitation parody. And it stars Michael Jai White, the first guy who gets killed by Heath Ledger. Uh, Heath Ledger. Uh, let me tell you about the scar stories in yes. the dark Knight. Someone killed this clown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh Michael Jai White is fantastic and, and does not get enough due. No, both as an actor, a creative force and a martial artist. He, was one of the writers on Black Dynamite and con- yeah. and continues to write the if it's still on the air the Black Dynamite animated series. I don't think it is, okay. but I I have heard mm-hmm. that this creative team, him and his the director slash co writer mm-hmm. whose name I do not recall, are doing like a western. Oh wow! Yeah, like a like a parody western thing. I I would love to see that. No, Michael Jai White is a is a BAMF, and he deserves more work. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might talk about this a little bit later, but watch the movie Accident Man, mm-hmm. where an incredible martial artist named Scott Atkins has a one-versus-two fight against Michael Jai White and fucking Ray Park. It's it's uh, it's like something that little boys dream about. Just it like- is. <laughs> it really is. If you don't know, Ray Park played Darth Maul. Yes. Uh, he's been in a ton of other stuff. And Toad in the X-Men movie. Oh, was he Toad? He was Toad. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, he got to... One of the rare roles where he got to use his actual accent. And just give great lines, just... Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Halle Berry's yeah, line. Yeah, you're thinking of Halle Berry's line, which apparently was originally... The reason why that line's in the movie is, is because... Toad kept saying... Toad like, would give Toad facts. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Toad fact throughout the movie and then show... Yeah, yeah, whatever. We're not here to talk about X-Men. No. We're ta- here to talk about X-Ladies. Exactly. X-First Ladies, Barbara Bush, <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> Whoops. I just cry-reacted uh, my list of movies that we watched together. Oh, no. Let's let's very briefly, because I don't remember a lot about it, and okay. watching the movie was like a fucking car crash, uh, On the Silver Globe. Do you remember this one? No. This was the almost three-hour Soviet sci-fi epic we watched. That was oh, that was halt- right. the production was halted by Soviet government, and then they sort of pieced it together like ten years later. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So so this Soviet era filmmaker uh, made this big ass sci-fi epic based is, on a novel written by his uncle. Yes. And this is Zulowski, uh, Andrei Zulowski, I believe, who mm-hmm. did Possession, which oh. will definitely be on the show at some point. Yes. The Sam Neill, uh, Isabella Johnny film Possession. Yes. Uh, and, and it's in, so he, he, he'd made, it seems most of the movie. Yes. And then there were some regime changes and shit went down and the production got shut down with still most of the movie complete. He was able to somehow recover most of the footage and he fills in the rest of the movie with voiceover with an art an sort of an artistic version of 
the way that everyone, all Doctor Who fans had to enjoy Shada for the longest time. With They used to always have to enjoy the scenes that weren't able to be filmed in that episode by having just Tom Baker literally pop up in the frame in the Doctor Who Museum and say, And then I went over here and Romana said this. And in this movie, instead, it's him wandering around the streets of Russia with a camera, showing random passers-by and random scenes of the city he's he's walking in while he talks in an art in an art art film monotone over it about all the shit happening in 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 the middle, and also while also like peppering in like behind the scenes stories, yeah, and like just issues that he had being a filmmaker at the time. It is a absolutely fascinating three-hour watch. It is, and it's. I don't. We did not understand a lot of it. We didn't understand most of it. I think, but it's. We had to read reviews afterwards to find out yeah, what the fuck reviews happened. Reviews and synopsises. I uh, will say we were never. I don't remember ever being bored. No, no, absolutely. It's 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 sort of hypnotic. Yeah. It's it's you can grasp most of you can grasp some of what's going on, mm-hmm. and it's enough to tie you to it. Yeah. And honestly, the the incomprehension of it yes. really enhances the alien aspect of it. It's these people come to this alien planet and try to survive, and they find that there's another race on the planet. They fight with them. That is a very bare bones description. That's the most bare bones description, uh, yeah, possible probably. But the coming to the planet and trying to survive is probably like half the movie. And it's almost like... It's made on such a low budget, and the almost... Nope, all of the camera work is done, like, handheld, which is... It it doesn't feel like any other science fiction film I've ever seen. By the way, this movie is unavailable to watch unless you get... (laughs) Unless you get, like, want to pay... Not a huge sum, but a Mm -hmm. little bit of a fee for... An old copy or a bootleg or something, but it's definitely worth checking out. It's sure this is you don't want like, you don't know, want to know what we had to go through to find them. <laughs> this <laughs> is sort of like this is between David Lynch's Dune mm-hmm. and Hodorowski's Dune lies on the Silver Globe, <laughs> where it was completed and it's still this insane work that barely makes sense. I would love to see a version of Dune made like this. Like, that would be crazy. That would be great. Yeah. It would be great. It would also be crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, What would you like to talk about next? Let's jump over to something uh, really fun that we got to see this year. Coffin Joe. Oh, yeah. We watched... uh, There's technically three Coffin Joe movies. The third was made very after. after the first two. But this was a fun little trip we took. Uh, we watched At Midnight I'll Possess Your Corpse and At Midnight I'll Possess Your Soul, I think is the um, two, I think is those two titles. Let me look that up. Okay, the two films are At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul Okay, and This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. That's right, okay. And these were, At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul was the first horror movie ever made in Brazil. Awesome. So we've 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 now seen the first action movie from Uganda and the first horror movie from Brazil. Yes. Yes. And this was uh, 1964. Mm-hmm. These movies were a blast. They, they were, were so good. The what was very interesting about the first film mm-hmm. is uh, Brazil, obviously a, a Spanish colonized com- country. Yes. Very Catholic. Mm-hmm. Part of Coffin Joe is the villain. 
Yes. But he is also the main character. He's like a Freddy Krueger. He's 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 like a uh, 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 he's whole... like a Freddy Krueger if it was mostly about Freddy Krueger molesting children. Right. If if this, yeah, it's it's just Freddy Krueger in that he's the worst person in the world. Like his entire character, he is he's just pure, utter evil. But he is also the character you go to the movie for. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. None of the other characters surround, like I can't remember any of the characters surrounding Coffin Joe. Right. Aside from the fact that there are various women who meet uh, ill fates. Oh, yes, yes. Coffin Joe is, again, the worst person in the world, but whereas Freddy Krueger is the worst person in the world as envisioned by uh, a Hollywood screenwriter. Yeah. Coffin Joe is the worst person in the world as envisioned by an old world Catholic. Yeah. So because the... one of the sins that it, in uh it's only the little parade we go on with Coffin Joe at the beginning of At Midnight Opposite I'll Take Your Soul is sort of like the opening of Day of the Beast. Right. Where we just see Coffin Joe committing all these fucking sins. Yeah. And one of them is eating meat on Friday. Yeah. And that is, in the movie treats that as just as heinous and just as horrible as when he kills people. Or rapes women. Or rapes women. Like, that is just as bad. It's it's a fascinating cultural artifact. Not even artifact. It's still yeah. relevant. People in Brazil apparently still love Coffin Joe. I think there was a. I love Coffin. Joe. I love Coffin Joe. Yeah, Coffin. <laughs> well, and uh, again, this that candid for the film. This, uh, this podcast. This is definitely going to end up on the podcast someday. I and it's and it's just it, the first movie acts as sort of like, like the first Terminator movie is such a simple, simple story. Yes, Coffin Joe is very similar. Where or, or like Carnival of Souls, I guess is a is a more. Uh, apt comparison where it's just sort of a simple campfire story made into a movie length yeah. tale and it's so good and so effective and unfortunately the sequel not quite as good but but it has that hell sequence yes it does and i was thinking about that recently because this is a movie that we didn't watch together uh Last night, watching Christmas movies, my wife and I watched Scrooge, a musical mm. version of A Christmas Carol starring Albert Finney. Uh, and that's... I'm drying out here! And that movie, uh, I hated. And one of the things I did hate the most about it is that Was the Coffin end, Joe wasn't in it. Honestly, because at the end, the Ghosts of Christmas future doesn't just show Scrooge's grade, he takes he him... He shows Scrooge his dick. He, <laughs> he takes him to hell. Oh, okay. There's an entire sequence where Scrooge is wandering through hell, and... Now, this sounds like it could be great. It does sound like it could be great, but instead it was really lame and awful, mm. and the entire time, all I was thinking about was, man, I wish I was watching uh, at... What was the second movie called um, at, at This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. All I was thinking is, I wish I was watching This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse right now, because, man... In terms of, like, it was very, in weird ways, it, it, all the Coffin Joe movies are black and white, except for the hell sequences yes. in the sequel, which are suddenly in color. And, you know, because it's a hell sequence, very similar color palette to the hell sequence in this, in Scrooge, yeah. except uh, because Coffin Joe is hardcore, there's a lot more, like, torture, nudity, shit. torture, limbs just sort of scattering the walls, and Scrooge... For some reason, a family movie didn't go quite as hardcore as that. 
What pussies? What pussies? Charles Dickens is shitting in his grave. <laughs> Charles Charles Dickens would have been a fan of Coffin Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure almost, he would. I'm almost entirely I'm, certain. I'm 100% sure that he would have drug himself out of the poorhouse. <laughs> You would have showed him Coffin Joe, and he would have been like, "Ah, moving pictures." But then after that, he would have been he would have been cool with it. He would have destroyed his manuscript for David Copperfield, <laughs> and just said, "I'm not even. It's not even fucking worth it." True story. If he hadn't been able to finish the mystery of Edwin Drood, the murderer would have been Coffin Joe. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coffin Joe was desperately trying to impregnate Edwin Drood. He's <laughs> like, can't figure and, out why this isn't working. Yeah, that's the mystery. <laughs> The mystery is why he can't get his wife, Edwin Drood, pregnant. That's a heteronormative joke, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Let's, let's talk about... It's not, it's not Coffin Joe's fault. He is a big Omegaverse fan, and he thought that they were true to life. I don't know what the Omegaverse is. Okay. I'll tell you about later. Alpha and Omega, like the wolf movies? It's, Are you fucking serious? It's not the, about those movies, but you, the, the it's based on that outdated theory about wolf packs having alphas and stuff like okay. that. Okay, They're werewolves, they're gay werewolves, and they are men that fuck, and the men can get pregnant. And there's all these rules about having sex with alphas and omegas and what consent is. And it's like this whole expansive universe just built on people doing self-published erotica through Amazon. That sounds problematic AF. There are also a lot of lawsuits going on because they... From actual werewolves who are like, this is not the way it works. <laughs> no, it's just a lot of... So... The Omegaverse just kind of sprung up overnight, and then a lot of people want to claim ownership over concepts within it, even though it was just sort of a fan pool of ideas. Gotcha. So they, they're just a bunch of Karens suing each other over their eroticas. Fantastic. Yeah. This is what Jesus Christ died for. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. That was God's plan when he sent his, <laughs> his flesh and blood down to Terra. Mm-hmm. Like, bitch, you're going to stomp Terra, and you're going to pave the way for werewolf erotica. For werewolf erotica. Exactly. Also what Vatican II was about. <laughs> no, Vatican II was about those other Amazon erotica books where Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one's the lady? The Tooth Fairy. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about... Our favorite action movie of the year. Mm -hmm. Definitely won't be covered on the show. Mm -hmm. But we fucking love this movie. I'm talking about nobody. I, I, I'm going to have to... Uh, oh, favorite action movie of the year, not action favorite action movie we saw this year. No. Okay. Uh, okay. Our favorite action movie of this year. Gotcha, gotcha. No, our, I, I think we both agree what our favorite action movie we saw this year was. Yeah. But of movies released this year, yes, and okay. there were there were quite a few good action movies this year. There, there were, there were. I didn't see as many of them as you did. Uh, another good, another decent one, uh, Boss Level on Hulu. Mm -hmm. Also decent, Gunpowder Milkshake. Yes, um, I have some hope for the new Matrix. I am excited for it. I don't think it's going to be good, but I'm excited for it. Anyway. I don't. I have no. I. I'm I'm I think it's going to look cool. I don't think the story is going to be interesting. No. <laughs> Agreed. I yes. think there's going to be some very pretty action. 
I think that the effects are going to be beautiful. And I think Keanu Reeves is going to revel being in that role again. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's that's a role that's near and dear to his heart. It, yeah. There was an interview with him recently where he's like, okay, you have to name like three films to introduce people to Keanu Reeves. And he's like, mm-hmm. all right, first off, The Matrix. The whole trilogy. We're going to count him as one. Okay. That's, but, that's awesome. But nobody was a fan. For a long time this year was my favorite movie of the year. And it's not. It's super, a really fun movie. It's really fun. It's great action. It, yeah. It's. It also stars one of your comedic heroes, Bob Odenkirk, getting to play like a. I mean, I would say getting to play a heavy, but he is in. He has had Better Call Saul for like years now. He's not necessarily a heavy in that. Yeah, but no, he got like I enjoy. Movies about old dudes kicking ass. I love sure. the limey. Yeah. Um, Taken is your favorite movie. Oh, my God. I love... Take three in. <laughs> Tack three in. Tack three in, Tack yeah. three in is yeah. where that series really starts to elevate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I don't count that because, at least from what I've seen of the first Tacken, mm-hmm. um... <laughs> Like, they don't play into the fact that Liam Neeson is an old man. No, they the don't. The same that they don't do that with John Wick. Right. But with nobody, part of it is that, like, oh, you're an old and effectual white man. You're, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is probably the weakest part of the movie, like, the emasculated nature right. of Bob Odenkirk. But overall, there's some great fucking action in this movie. There's some great action. There's some great... There were some great bits from actors we were not expecting. No, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, holy Rizza. shit. And Rizza, that's right. I forgot he was the in there. The end of this movie is fucking fantastic. Like, fucking it's, phenomenal. And the the soundtrack's great. Let's be So, uh, in, when it comes to action movies, John Wick is still king currently. John Wick 2. John Wick John 2. John Wick 2, at least for well, modern action films. Well I'm, say, well, I'm saying, like, yeah, for modern action movies, the John Wick series as a whole yes. still kills it in terms of, like, just staging of action sequences. Mm-hmm. John Wick 3 was not as good as John Wick 2, but the action sequences within John Wick 3 were... Yeah. The man uses a horse to kill a man. Yeah, mind-blowing. So, like, you're not going to get quite the same level as John Wick in Nobody. No. But it almost doesn't matter because you do have that fucking bus fight scene. Which is fucking amazing. It's and so here's, good. Here, Here's a bit of a spoiler for Nobody. Yeah. And here's part of what I love about Nobody. Yeah. Is, ultimately, yes, the movie is, like, yeah, even though you're a you're a sixty year old suburban dad, you could still kick ass. Mm-hmm. The thing is, there's clearly underlying issues with this character. <laughs> this bus fight we just referenced yeah. is started wholly by our hero. Yes. Like he is just like, oh, this situation seems a little dicey. I'm gonna fucking escalate it. It's not like the uh, what's the 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 original old man killing a whole bunch of people because I'm mad movie. Uh, Death Wish? Death Wish. Yeah, it's not like Death Wish where it's like the movie goes out of its way to justify this this guy. No. The movie actually doesn't justify his actions he almost de- at all. He he tries to find... It's it's actually hilarious. Like, yeah. The inciting action for all of this is... Mm-hmm. 
his house, he has, there's a home invasion, mm-hmm. and his daughter loses her kitty cat bracelet. That's right. And he's like, oh, the fuckers who robbed me took the bracelet. Yeah. So I'm going to go get my revenge. Right. But he doesn't for a great fucking reason. Yes. Like, I really enjoy that part. Yes. But he's clearly just spoiling for a fight. He's clearly yes. just like, I need to fuck somebody up. And it's not like... So in, in Rambo... The fourth Rambo film. Okay. Uh, the the character arc of Rambo is this sort of like, I have a demon inside me that I can't let loose. If I let it loose, I don't think I can ever get it back in again. There is a Key and Peele sketch, which makes fun of that, where he's a guy being like, I know you're trying to get me back in the game, but I'm not going to go back. And he said, like, oh no, we were we were actually hoping that you could recommend someone for us. <laughs> and he's like... Okay, I guess you talked me into it. I'll go back. No, we really don't need you. No, I guess... Yeah, 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 I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I'll come back. That's what this movie is. Yeah, absolutely. Bob Odenkirk wants to get back in the game so fucking bad. Yeah. He hates his suburban life so much, and he just wants to kill somebody. Again. Yeah, he's just... He, it's, it's fantastic. He wants to it's, get that murder boner one last time. It was a great theater experience, and I watched it again with my father, mm-hmm. and he enjoyed it as well intergenerational enjoyment uh well, well let's talk about something else and let's take a little break okay well while we're talking about action movies let's talk about another one this let's talk about streets of fire instead sure let's talk about <laughs> streets of fire which will definitely be on this show oh my god it um, will. this was sort this of, movie will be in my heart forever this was a blind buy for me yeah and i i think i saw it on letterbox it sounded crazy i watched the trailer mm-hmm. uh willem dafoe Rick Moranis, mm-hmm. Ed Begley Jr. in a cameo, <laughs> but it just looked nuts. It looked nuts. It was built as a rock and roll fable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you any one of these elements you have me already. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is by Walter Hill, the guy who did the Warriors, um, mm. Southern Comfort. Uh, so the master of. Who was this movie for? I like it, but why? How did this get made? Kind of movies. Also, uh, Last Man Standing, Forty Eight Hours. Uh, he's he's done a ton of stuff. Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen show. Yes, right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Also did the incredibly weird and transphobic film The Assignment with Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez and Sigourney Weaver for some reason. Yeah. So yeah. Um, sometimes older people have a harder time yeah. understanding the times. Yes. But most of his films are fucking fantastic, especially Streets of Fire, which is this weird 50s Western pastiche that's also... You have to... What you need to understand going into this movie... <laughs> it's so hard to describe. Is that you have to take it as if these are all high school kids. Yeah. And they're having a rock and roll, rowdy adventure on the streets of fire. Even though clearly everyone in this movie is 40 and older. Yes. <laughs> they're all high school kids and or cowboys just transplanted in time into modern day... Los Angeles, New York, what? Unspecified. City, modern day city. And it's, oh my, and this movie is worth it for the opening title sequence Oh my alone. God, this fucking song. If everything else in this movie sucked, 
this opening title this opening title sequence feels like a scene from Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is a diegetic musical. Yes, where there's a lot of musical performances, but they're all in the realm of the world. Mm-hmm. And you have definitely heard a song from this film if you ever listen to oldies radio or have been in a supermarket. I can dream about it. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's not... from this fucking mu- movie. Uh, that's crazy to me. But the best song, and it's written by Meatloaf's songwriter, which... I was just about to say it sounds exactly like a Meatloaf song. The two songs that open and close this m- movie, uh, Nowhere Fast and Tonight Is What It Means To Be Young... <laughs> Are both like hella meatloaf songs, especially uh, like especially. the last one, especially because it's like, uh, and the boy is the next best thing to an angel. Jesus Christ. But the first song is the good one. Oh, the second one's okay. Me- this first song is fucking amazing. I've been obsessed with it. It's, it, it, it's it, the best song meatloaf never recorded. Yes. Yes. I. <laughs> I wish I almost wish that he had, but at the same time, I all I also wish that I'm glad that he didn't because the version in the movie is so good. I don't want anything to touch it. I actually think he did record a version, but it's completely different. It just has the same title. Crap. Yeah, that's crap. It's absolute crap. I'm I'm upset that you even told me that. But this is a film where Willem Dafoe kidnaps a young rock starlet and but we have to be clear Willem Dafoe in upsetting pleather <laughs> at one point Willem Dafoe <laughs> is in pleather overalls that come up to his nipples and yes. you can tell they come up to his nipples because he's shirtless <laughs> it's he's such he's Willem Dafoe is obviously always great he's always he's great. fucking great in this the only person who's not great is the star, Michael Paré. Michael Paré is unfortunately kind of a lodestone around this movie's neck. He is. Yeah. Um, I had high hopes. There's a nice little action sequence where he tosses some greasers uh, through a diner door. There are some pretty good action scenes in this there, movie. There are. Yeah. Like, I consider this one of my favorite action films. Sure. But it's... I, I consider this to be one of my favorite fairy tales. <laughs> this is. Well, it's a fable. It's right. a rock and roll fable. Right. If, I, if Aesop, it, feel, it feels more like a fairy tale to me in my heart. If Aesop had an electric guitar, yeah. that fox wouldn't be doing sour grapes. He'd be going nowhere fast. <laughs> Can we talk about how many Aesop stories are about how you need to stay in your lane and never dream about being better than you are? And, sure. Uh, the, the races should stay separate. Are you thinking of any specific ones? Uh, the Scorpion. Was that an Aesop fable? That was an Aesop fable. Are you sure? I am sure. I'm going to look that up. Good, go for it. Yeah, Aesop kind of actually sucks, and maybe nobody should listen to him or talk about him ever again. Well. <laughs> Origins. The earliest known appearance of this fable is in the 1933 Russian novel, The German Quarter. Fuck. Yeah. I thought it was an Aesop fable. So I told you about when I watched the Clint Howard opus Ice Cream Man, right? Yes, you did tell me that you saw that. So we were just talking about uh, various things. Jim Neighbors, Andy Griffith, Ron Howard, possibly seeing Jim Neighbors fuck. Right. Accidentally. Yes. He opened the wrong door. Right. He was looking for uh, some bubble gum. (laughs) Whatever the fuck Ron Howard did. Is this the bubble gum room? (laughs) Is this? (laughs) I... I imagine they had a bubblegum room behind the I scenes hope so. of Andy Griffith's show. For 
not just Ron Howard, but Don Knotts. <laughs> Don, I need some of that bubblegum, Andy. Don Knotts, famously, famously a big lover of bubblegum. Don Knotts. It was neck and neck mm-hmm. for the mascot of Fruit Stripe. <laughs> Between that zebra, between that zebra and Don Knotts. Right, right, yeah. Missed it by nose. The, the zebra wanted it more. The zebra wa- Don Knotts had Scooby-Doo Mysteries. Uh, <laughs> he had being Mr. Furley on Three's Company. He didn't need it. He didn't need he it. He just want. he just, it would have been fun. It would have been fun. That wasn't his favorite gum. Right, 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 yeah. Because it's too fruity. He it's, likes and he the, likes the classic bubblegum flavor. And the flavor doesn't last long. Yes. He likes a Bazooka Joe. He gets the comics. He likes to laugh. He does. He likes to laugh. He likes... Famously, someone who liked to laugh, Don Knotts. That's what it says on his tombstone. <laughs> it says, famously liked to laugh, Don yes. Knotts. And then, birthier to deathier. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he only court. liked to laugh between these two dates. Well, yeah, that was the only time he was capable of laughing. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe he laughed in pre-heaven, where we all live before we're born. Right. And maybe he's laughing in hell. <laughs> Don Knotts went to hell. You don't think he ever killed a man? <laughs> I I have a hard time picturing it. Let's just put it that way. I heard the Johnny Cash song "Folsom Prison Blues." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where he talks about shooting a man in Reno just to watch him die. Right, yes. Was based on Don Knotts. Was based on Don Knotts. Yeah. Wow. You think you know someone having watched him on TV a couple of times. But this is a movie I watched this year, The Ice Cream Man. Mm-hmm. It's not very good. Mm-mm. But there is a part where uh, famous alcoholic Jan Michael Vincent yes. and his cop buddy go to an insane asylum. Mm-hmm. And all the crazies break out. And right. they need to run. Right. But Jan Michael Vincent, famous alcoholic, mm-hmm. is very drunk <laughs> and is not in the mood to act. Right. So he is shambling along as these poor extras have to like run in place behind him so they don't catch and murder him. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, his cop partner's darting all around, like running up ahead. <laughs> it is, I wish there was a clip on YouTube. There's yeah. not somehow, but it is one of the most brilliant things I've seen all year. There's this. Uh, Going off of that, I mentioned Doctor Who a little bit earlier. There's this episode towards the the tail end of the original run of Doctor Who where very few people actually cared anymore, but the people who did cared so much. They knew that the show was on the way out, but mm. like there were a few people like this is Sylvester McCoy's first season. The show was already dying. <laughs> so he's like someone who like rode up to the Titanic and was like, yeah. "Hey, what's going on here?" <laughs> exactly. So he's like, "Man, this is great. I get to play the doctor. This is so cool." And everybody else is like, "Yeah, whatever, fuck." So he there's this episode that takes place on an ice planet. It's called Frostfire. It's a pretty popular episode. Yeah. And it's mostly popular for the fact that everybody in the episode is on autopilot except for <laughs> Sylvester McCoy, who is comes from a physical comedy background yeah. and has just been told he's on an ice planet. So he slips sliding around. Yes. He's and, walking in a winter wonderland. And he is the only person... There's a whole crowd of people doing the Doctor Who down the corridor run, and he's... He's <laughs> lapping him. He's coming up behind him. <laughs> Pretty much he's, like, doing the, like, the, the one-leg cartoon shuffle, just the whole, like, his butt, his his uh, umbrella's going all this way. Oh, no! And everyone around him is just, like, 
lightly jogging with no difficulty. He's in a crowd of people jogging, just doing Charlie Chaplin bits. It's so funny. So, uh, who, who do you think the next doctor's going to be? The next doctor after Jodie Whittaker? Yeah. Because she's um, done, right? She is done. She has apparently actually filmed her last scene. And I don't know if she re- if she's already regenerated at the end of this last season that just wrapped. Because you've stopped watching. Because I stopped watching in the middle of season, her first season. So, who would be the next Doctor? I have been wanting Olivia Coleman to play the Doctor I know. for ages. It's never going to happen. I know it's not possible. Yeah. But hear me out. Okay. Telly Savalas. <laughs> it is not possible. No. But I am 100% with you. I also still kind of want Vincent Price to play the Doctor. That would be great. Yeah. Um, Yul Brenner. Sure. Let's keep naming people. Like let's keep, let's keep naming. Let me just keep naming bald actors from the seventies. Um, Paul Lind. We were just talking about <laughs> Paul Lind would be an amazing, be doctor. an amazing doctor. Oh dear, the Daleks are coming! It's all wibbly wobbly and timey wimey. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> it's always the running. I love the running. Oh. This is a ama- we should Rose, wouldn't you like to get in my box? <laughs> Who's your friend? Oh, <laughs> uh, Poland. <laughs> they say the sun never sets on a Suntarin. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means, but it sounds no like idea. something Poland would say. I have to say I don't know what it means. This I would <sighs> I think there needs to be a more flamboyantly gay Doctor Who. Sure. I think that's what the fans are clamoring for <laughs> after the bold choice of a lady Doctor Who. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we need a classic 70s gay as a Doctor Who. For real, though, I do hope that they go with another lady Doctor because... Okay, so ladies. Uh, Rosie is... Perez. Sh- sure. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do and a Rosie that Perez. way, I'll know where she is. <laughs> So I can audition, okay, and I can meet her, right? And we can fall in love, right? And we can get married, mm-hmm. and as long as you never encounter Elvira ever, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and she's in her sixties, but I think we could still get pregnant. <laughs> Which one of you is getting pregnant? Uh, I mean, it'd be great if we could do 50-50. Sure, like four and a half months each. Right, um, right. You tr- you trade off. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't know. We'll talk about it. Sure. If she takes my name, mm-hmm. she becomes Rosie Hefner, mm-hmm. then I'll carry it. Okay. Okay. But if she, if she wants to keep her name, she can carry it. Are you if if she wants to keep her name, will you take hers and become Brad Perez? Uh Perez, not Sorry, Perez. Brad Perez. Um it's tempting just for that clout. Mhm. But, you know, I'm very into traditional gender roles. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, I don't cook. I mm-hmm. don't clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't let women own property. <laughs> I don't Ooh, let ladies. them vote. <laughs> I don't let them drive a car. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I don't let them own livestock. Right. I don't let them practice their own religion. <laughs> they have to practice my religion. Right. Yes. Which is just the language Esperanto. <laughs> What? Your language is your your religion is the language Esperanto. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I, I don't I don't understand what's confusing you about I, this. I I think I may have had too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's definitely the problem. That's definitely the problem. Let's talk a little bit. We are almost definitely going to do an episode about it. Yes. But we. this is probably the most recent movie we've watched. This is the most recent movie we've watched together. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Instantly became a favorite of mine. Yes. Same with yours. Yes. Uh, The 1970s Street Fighter movie starring Shinichi, Sonny, Chiba. We are... 110% 110% going to talk about this on the show someday. And the weirdness of it, we'll justify it now and we'll justify it later. Sure. Is that this is a cult classic. Like, people in the know know about it, but yes. this is not, like, a huge thing. Like It's not. When you try and look for this movie, for some reason you can only get information about some obscure video game from the 80s. <laughs> I can't find any information about it. It, it. You have to write in, like, Street Fighter Sonny Chiba or Street Fighter the year it came out. Like, you can't... Otherwise, you can't find any information about it. And also, like... It's absolutely buried. It's a nutty-ass movie. Like, it it's such a nutty-ass movie. It's an incredible... Ironically, speaking of fighting games from the 80s, like, the, it, it's... It didn't really inspire the game Street Fighter. It more inspired the game Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, With some very specific moments that di- that really inspired the game Mortal Kombat. But something we, we've sort of, you by way of me. Yes. I love Japanese cinema. Yes. They are probably my second favorite movie producing country, aside from USA, number one, Eagle Screech. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, I, I think that I did like... Japanese cinema before... Uh, well, yeah, you're into kaiju stuff. I was and... into kaiju stuff. I was into uh, Kurosawa, but that's about it. Okay. That's about as far as I went. But especially this year, and starting last year, I've been exploring a lot of Japanese cinema. Yep. We've gone... Together, we've gone through Lone Wolf and Cub. Yep. Female Prisoner Scorpion. Awesome. Um, I think those are the only two series we did together. Yeah, we did we did those entire shit series together. Yes. Yeah. But I've also been watching a lot of Sukaban, a lot of Pinky Violence, uh, also like Sion Sono. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of Japanese cinema. Right. And something I'm discovering that I love is that 70s Japanese cinema created some of the most, the greatest amoral characters. Yeah. Terry, or Takuma which, Tsurugi. Which feels right for the 70s. Somehow. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in the dub, he's Terry Tsurugi. Mm-hmm. In the Japanese language, he's Takuma Tsurugi. Mm-hmm. Is an asshole. He's he the is, wor- he is a literal fucking terrible person. He's the worst. He's. <laughs> we'll save it for the episode. Yeah. The incredibly fucked up thing that he does very early in the movie. Mm-hmm. But he's also just like a fucking brute with his style. Like he yeah. just. At one point, he punches a man in the face, and he spits out blood, and then he spits out teeth. You know how in the beginning of uh, Star Wars, when Han Solo was first introduced, and he kills Greedo in cold blood in the bar, and you think, well, depending on which cut you watch, and you think, oh man, this guy's a dangerous badass, and then he never does anything dangerous or badass for the rest of the series, and he's just kind of another nice guy, along with all the other nice heroes that you have. Imagine if Han Solo was as much of a bastard and a dirty pirate as he seems to be when you first meet him. That's who this character is. Straight up with the black vest and everything going. But he's... And then, yeah, and it it is absolutely mimicked with his fighting style, where he's just... He's a martial artist, but he's like if the Incredible Hulk was a martial artist. It's just artist. so brutal and so savage. Like, he's and he's the, a street fighter. The action is fucking fantastic. He's an absolute monster. It's and so good. Sonny Chiba has such incredible presence. Like, yes, he he just owns the screen. 
Yeah, no, he just he just walks on camera, and the camera just they weren't even supposed to focus on him in certain shots. The camera just gravitates towards him naturally. And we talk about this like obviously Bruce Lee is one of the greatest. He You're is not going to top Bruce Lee. He's a personal hero of mine. And we talked about this like Sonny Chiba could not take Bruce Lee in a fight any day of the week. No. I still find Street Fighter more entertaining than any of the Bruce Lee movies we watch. And I enjoyed them. I don't love them the way you do. You grew yeah, up with them. I did grow up with them. Uh, but, like, Street Fighter was like a revelation. Like, even as much kung fu movies as I've seen now. Yeah. It was still like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. But, well, as, with as many martial arts movies, since this isn't, like, kung fu. True, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. With as many martial arts movies. But, yeah, it's this, this movie... Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you watch Bruce Lee, you are watching someone who can actually do the things that he's doing in the movie. Yes, literally doing them. There are ever one every once in a while, like in Fists of Fury, there are some cartoonish moments where like he's fighting a, a whole karate school. Yeah, and one of the karate fighters throws him through the air, and he and he does like this ridiculous flip and lands on his feet, rubs his nose, and goes. In this movie, there's an exact parallel to that scene, which seems to be like a statement of purpose in this movie of being like, hey, our guy ain't Bruce Lee. By having, he literally fights an entire karate school. Love a good dojo clearing. Love a good dojo clearing. And uh, that's what makes that scene in Fist of Fury great. It's the yeah. original dojo clear. But and and a guy one of the one of the karate masters grabs him and throws him through the air, and he absolutely just crash lands just he fucking takes hits Tsurugi takes hits he's like yeah he's he's again relating him to every Harrison Ford character out there he's also like Indiana Jones Indiana Jones gets fucking bloody noses he gets fucked up Mm -hmm. and and this guy gets fucked up in this movie and it's great we'll talk about one last thing one last very unique aspect of Street Fighter and then we'll save the rest for the episode episode is just going to be about Street Fighter from now on (laughs) it could be we love it that much (laughs) I do love it Uh, the sequels to Street Fighter Street Fighter the Return of the Street Fighter I think and Street Fighter's Last Revenge which I did not get to see you watched them are not as good they're still decent like if I had watched those before I'd be like hey Mm -hmm. this is pretty awesome but Japanese series tend to not stay strong they tend to start very strong yes it's not always the case but at least from what i've seen but what the fuck was i gonna say <laughs> the sister oh, street right. fighter um no not sister street fighter which Sorry. i need to rewatch so i can watch the rest of them sister street fighter is great yeah but one thing that i really enjoy about street fighter that is not present they bring it a little bit back in the third one yeah is tsurugi's insane breathing yeah. Now, yeah. when you watch, when uh, like especially a kung fu movie, a Shaw Brothers movie or something, sure, you're going to get, especially like Bruce Lee. Yes. Bruce Lee loved his... He's famous for them. Tsurugi goes... <laughs> like, he's like a cat hissing. Like, it's, yeah. it's insane. Not only that, but when he does that, his actual body language mirrors like a cat arcing its back and like yeah. getting into a defensive sideways crab walk it's so it's so strange and it's so unique and i've, I've never seen anything like it no and i love it so much it's 
it's almost it it is sort of comedic like if you laugh at it you're more than welcome to laugh at it oh, because yeah. it's so over the top and insane we often did when watching it we did cuz yeah. it's it's crazy but it's such we, we laugh a lot when we watch action movies anyway though sometimes we laugh just cuz the action is so good yeah yeah that's when you know it's good is when you're just laughing it's like oh my god they just did that yes um I laugh a lot in the knife sequence in John Wick 3. That's the best sequence of that. Um, That is a straight-up comedy scene. Mm -hmm. Like, that was intentional (laughs) comedy. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about when you watched Mulholland Drive? Yeah. So, I... So... I think this predates the show, right? My Lynch uh, journey. Journey? Yeah. Yeah, because you watched Twin Peaks, I think, before we started doing the show. Yeah. And I think I showed you Blue Velvet before then, and yeah. possibly Wild at Heart as well. So I've been sort of on a Lynch journey during our our friendship, yeah. just sort of like gradually over time, just kind of working my way through his filmography. And by virtue of us being very close friends, yeah. and me being such a huge Lynch fan, mm-hmm. and us both being huge movie fans, I have to be like, you need to watch this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've now seen, like, a good number of his stuff. Oh, and you've also seen Dune, I think, before the show. I uh, I hadn't seen Dune before the show, I don't think. I think okay. I, I, I knew about Dune because a lot of... I watch a lot of film commenting YouTube, YouTubers. Gotcha. And Dune is right there. Of course they're going to talk about it. It's a bizarre fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I have seen Lynch's Dune, and... Um, we we watched Eraserhead for the show and then didn't end up actually recording that episode. Yeah, I got uh, I was in one of my uh, fits right. at the time. Yeah, um, that's okay. It, yeah, it, it happens. It happens, but like, and also, it would have been a very difficult movie to talk about. Yeah, I don't think it would have been an enjoyable episode, much sure. like our Repo Man episode. Which yeah, I love Repo Man. I don't think that was a great episode. I think it was very dry. I don't think it worked well. But yeah, we watched Eraserhead, which we, you also love, and I I fucking loved it. And then I don't remember what finally inspired us to get get around to watching Mulholland Drive. I think I just brought it over, like yeah, and and we just watched it. Yeah, but yeah, we watched that this year together, and I I thought I loved Lynch before. Mulholland Drive is, I think, my new favorite of his stuff. Okay, and what I was know- your favorite before? Um, it was, it, I mean, Twin Peaks is probably just like the whole experience from beginning to return. Gotcha. It was, was up very much up there. If I had to limit it to the movies, Blue uh, Velvet. probably Blue Velvet, Eraserhead for different reasons. You can't yeah. put Eraserhead and Blue Velvet in the same category. No, it's tough. It, uh, but I would say that Mulholland Drive is now my favorite film that he's ever made. And I know that I'm not alone in that. No. That's a very sort of... Uh, safe uh, Lynch it's, opinion. It's fine. Like it's a great fucking movie. It's a masterpiece. It it rocked my world so hard. I'm still feeling the vibrations of it now. Yeah, you uh, you have it. You posted once on Facebook months afterwards about how much you love Mulholland Drive. I'm and still you have think, not. I'm still rewatched it. You're just still feeling that first watch. Yeah. No. I I watched it the one time, and I've been thinking about it ever since. I bought the Criterion release almost immediately afterwards, and I, again, it's it, like Eraserhead, well, I don't want to spoil anything, because we may do an episode on it, and sure. also, maybe you haven't seen it, and I know that I, my viewing was better for not knowing what the fuck was going to happen. Any viewing is better. Sure. But, I, I, I it's, it's kind of like a midpoint between, um... 
between uh, a racer head and blue velvet, and at the same time, if you're like me and you all you've seen is Twin Peaks, I watch through Twin Peaks, I watch Fire Walk with me, I watch The Return, and The Return is so much different than Twin Peaks and Fire Walk with me that it confused me a lot. Yeah. Uh, I still enjoyed it, but I was very confused and frustrated by a lot of things that happened there. Watching Mulholland Drive put so much more of the return into context okay. for me. I feel like the original Twin Peaks is Blue Velvet the series, and Twin Peaks the Return is Mulholland Drive the series. I'd agree. Where it's like, there's all these cutaways to people in booths talking about horrible things that happened to them. You're right! <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're right. And everything is like, like there, there are doppelgangers and like dreams within dreams and and all the stuff in another in another i guess in another way maholland drive is david lynch's inception in except it's way better than inception david lynch <laughs> traveled to the future right he watched inception yeah like, this is great <laughs> i like how you know exactly what's going on but it it requires you to pay attention so people will think it's confusing what if i just make a an actual movie! <laughs> Moving pictures! And it's... Oh, my God. I... I uh, Yeah. No, Mulholland Drive was like a... A mind-altering it's, experience. It's a life-changer for you. It's it's it one of those really goalpost-moving movies. Like, it's, it's a tentpole movie. Yeah. No, 110%. Like, that is... That is a new... That is my new, like... Like Marvin the Martian flag in the in the in the planet moment of movie that's watching, one that's fucking beautiful. Anytime you encounter any movie like that, absolutely. It, it's it's I love hearing about people's tentpole movies, their goalpost movies, mm -hmm. but also for a director that you have seen so much of his work, yes, to still be blown away by like because that's a problem I encounter. Directors' works tend their most popular and best works tend to be the most readily available. Right, obviously. So you encounter those first. Yeah. And then you encounter the lesser. But you have just, you've had this journey where, and Grand, David Lynch is a great artist. Yeah. So you you have a lot to choose from, but it's great that... The fact that I saw What Did Jack Do Before Mulholland Drive is a bit weird. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but you, you knew Lynch's brand of absurdity yes, at that point. That's true. I, I, it also is a bit I'm, it's also a good one to have watched when I watched it because every Lynch movie that's left for me to watch at this point is one of those Lynch movies where everyone kind of has a difference of opinion on whether or not it's good. So you got Inland Empire. Right. You got Straight Story. Yeah. Is that uh, it? Elephant Man? Elef okay, Elephant Man is, Elephant a, is, a, is a pretty universally beloved movie. Yeah. Uh, so I have that one to look forward to. But, like, yeah, Inland Empire and Straight Story are two movies where uh, it seems like people have a, a wide variety of opinions on they them. They do. It's I... much more like The Return, where people are like, I really like it, I really hate it, I want to like it, but I can't understand what it is. And then Mulholland Drive was the... And I guess Elephant Man are the last two where it's like... You mean Straight Story. Or no. Yeah, Elephant Man and, and Mulholland Drive. Sorry. The, the la yeah, it was like... I thought you were talking about movies that you hadn't seen. No, yeah. Where it's just sort of like, 
This is this is the apex of Lynch. And even Elephant Man is not a movie that people think of like as a Lynch movie. No, I it's it's sort of in the Dune category where I keep forgetting that David Lynch directed it. Right. And and where it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I at the time he was still thinking, maybe I can do one for me and then do one for them. Yeah. And then he made Dune and he was like, No, I can't. I'm gonna dedicate myself to doing them for me forever. No more half measures. Yeah, no more no more half measures. We gotta go ring that bell. I was just people have been posting a lot about Christmas. David Lynch yes, David Lynch's Dune recently of course, because of the because new of the Dune re-release. movie. And uh, the Lynchland archives are like obsessed, obsessed with and so comparing the two. I've been so I've been I've been learning about all the stuff that happened to Lynch back during that time and earlier, and he made Elephant Man through Mel Brooks's company, Brooks yeah. Films, and I love hearing Mel Brooks stories of Mel Brooks and David Lynch interacting because they're such they're such unique people. Uh, interacting in such weird, yeah. wacky ways, and he's, he said that when I when I met Lynch, he, he walked in. He was just this this Midwestern boy with his 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 shirt with too many buttons done, and I was like, he's, he's, he's like a messenger. What's going on? And he said, I, "Hey, I'm David Lynch." It's like you're not David Lynch. You don't look like a Picasso painting. <laughs> I was like, I I love that. That's great. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Because you brought up doppelgangers. Yes. Uh, several hours ago. <laughs> yes. What would you do if you encountered your doppelganger, and they weren't outwardly threatening? So are they actually like a clone they look exactly of me? like you? But you it... don't know what they are. They just look exactly like you. They sound like you. Okay. I would say, hello, what's your name or something like that to find it. Cause I would want to find out immediately if, if this is one of those situations where they're me from another universe, a clone of me, or if they're just some guy named Hans from Germany who happens to look exactly. Like okay. Me. He tells you his name is Arturo Shabazz. <laughs> his name is Arturo Shabazz. Oh, then I would be like, uh, then I would just like get Artur- to know Arturo Shabazz as a person. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be weirded out by this person who looks exactly like you. I would be very weirded out and confused. I would try and get past that. What if they started hanging around a lot? Then I would, I would start to get upset. Okay, I would be like, stay, what, stay away from me. At what point would you kill your doppelganger? Like, how far does it need to go? I mean, he would have to start trying to steal my life, and then I would. Okay, to, he's like, okay, you're. But a like, what level of that? Like, you see him wearing your shirt. Like, you go out on the porch. Arturo okay. Shabazz is there. Okay, he's wearing uh, one of your superhero shirts. It's, did he, he didn't ask to borrow it. Oh, so he—it's actually my shirt. You didn't just buy another. No, copy it's your of shirt. shirt. It's my shirt. Oh, well, it has your name sewn in the back. I'm, <laughs> as all of my shirts do. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to kill him for that, but I am going to require that he give that back and and tell him to get get away from my okay. house. Yeah. It would take a lot to get me to murder. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he stops but going by the name Arturo Shabazz. Uh-huh. Starts going by the name Billy Martell. I might have to kill him. Okay. Yeah. And because you guys are indistinguishable. Hmm. He just starts, like, picking up Kaylee from work. Right, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. then you would kill him? Oh, yeah, I would definitely... I would, I would kill him at the name thing immediately. Okay. Yeah, like, I, we, we, I, I couldn't let it get to the point where he was picking Kaylee up from Let work. me ask you an adjacent question. Okay. Would you be comfortable mm-hmm. being in a room with a human corpse? I mean, I have been in a room with a human corpse. Oh, brag much? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't and even want to I, continue this bit. You're just fucking I have Mr. To, Braggadocious over here. <laughs> and I have to say I was not comfortable with it. Okay. Would you be comfortable in a room with a dinosaur skeleton? Yes, and I have been. Okay. So what's the difference? <laughs> I knew the corpse when it was alive. I didn't know the dinosaur. You could have if you had tried harder. <laughs> Did you ever try talking to it? Did you ever ask it its hobbies? <laughs> You're a real fucking prick, you know that? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely the bad guy here. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Certainly not the dinosaur. Yeah, no, definitely not the dinosaur. Certainly not Franklin Hampton. <laughs> See, I knew his name. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let me talk very briefly. Sure. Because I, I need to rewatch it. It's yeah. been a while. Mm-hmm. And there were circumstances involved with me watching it. Mm-hmm. My 1500th movie... Valerian or Week of Wonders. Right. This yes. was a... I, I, what a trip. I have started keeping track of my movies. I started a while ago. Something I did just to pass time, and I've kept doing it. And it's a very rough count, because I'll always encounter movies like, oh shit, yeah, I've seen that, I need to add that to the list. Mm-hmm. But very roughly, I celebrated my 1500th movie. I'm now up to, I don't want to say... <laughs> but it is closer to 2000 than cool. it is closer to 1500. Mm-hmm. But I was, this was a thing where it was like, I want to, for my 1000th movie, I watched Upstream Color by Shane Carruth. And it was a fucking beautiful, nebulous, like it, it made me cry. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was a wonderful experience. I won something like that for another milestone. And we sort of arranged this this thing where I was at like, 1499 mm-hmm. so, or 1498. So we were going to watch another movie and then yeah. watch Valley and the Week of Wonders. Uh, we tried to watch La Bette, which did yeah. not work out so Didn't well work for out various for reasons. But because, again, it's a rough estimate, I was just like, oh, right. I forgot about this Kevin Smith movie I watched. Added that. <laughs> then we watched Valley and the Week of Wonders. This is a, uh, was it Czech? Uh, feels like it. What the fuck do you was you? How many Czech films have you seen? <laughs> I've seen like maybe three, three or four. I've seen Alice. That's a Czech movie. This is a Czech. This is a Czechoslovakian movie mm-hmm. from nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. This was a beautiful film. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's just sort of about this young girl who's, to put it grossly, blossoming into womanhood. Sure, and the various. I think that's the way the filmmakers would want us to have it yeah, cut, though. Dangers, like it, is, it is a very poetic movie. Dangers and temptations around her. Mm-hmm. There are vampires. And I will say, this movie left such an impact on me. I've been asked to put together a top five list of my favorite movie monsters recently. Yeah. Very difficult for me to pick between the movie monsters that I've seen. I'm sure. Uh, the vampires from Valerie in her week of wonders were right up there. They're great. And what's, uh, uh, one of the thematic resonances of the movie is the vampires are the church, which is brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. But the imagery of this movie is fucking beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a shot late in the film that literally brought tears to my eyes. It was just so immaculately composed. Mm -hmm. It's, can't recommend this movie if you if you're into surrealism at all. It's not yeah. heavily surreal. It's not going to be something like a racer head. 
it's, no, it's, it's not the kind of surrealism where it's, it's not like Chan Andalu. It's violently not, it's not assaulting Dali. you. Yeah, it's not Dali. Uh, it, it's just it's kind of a pastoral surrealism. It's very soft. It's very beautiful. It, it's almost more whimsy. Yeah, this sort of has a Guillermo del Toro vibe mm-hmm. a little bit. Just at least the way he uses mm-hmm. um, like a pan's labyrinth, like a softer brush. Right. places. Yeah, except it, imagine if in Pan's Labyrinth, the whole movie had had the fairy tale logic of the fantasy sequences instead of having those, like, hard cuts to brutal reality that Pan's yeah. Labyrinth always has. Very true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was an amazing film. Uh, like I said, I'm getting close to 2000. I don't... The more movies I see, the more movies I'm like, well, it's going to h- find... It's going to be hard to find something that tops yeah. 1,999 other movies. Yes. So I don't know what I'll do for 2,000. Mm-hmm. But I stumble across shit all the time. Like yeah. it's Street Fighter was a fucking revelation. Uh, yeah. I finally watched Casablanca this year. That was fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. We stumbled across Kiss Me Deadly. I don't even fucking remember why I bought that movie. Uh, no, but it, but was, it was fucking amazing. Tremendous. Was that this year that we saw Kiss Me Deadly? That was last year. Okay. Because that was a, we actually talked about this in a recent episode. Did we really? Uh, okay. Because we watched that out on the beanbags. That's right. Yes. Kiss Me Deadly... Fuck. That's that's another movie like Mulholland Drive where it's just like still in my head it's after just, all these. It's after a all hammer these blow of a movie. We saw that. We... A hammer blow. Uh... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we talked about this on that episode where we mentioned it. Like, yeah. that's a movie that we saw once. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it twice. I watched it and then I showed it to you. Yeah. But it's been a year since we've seen that movie. But we talk about it all the time. All the goddamn it, time. No matter how much film you see. Mm-hmm. There are always things that will unlock film for you. Yes, that will change your visual language, and that's the beauty of film, and that's what this podcast is sort of about. Because yeah. you don't find that in your blockbusters necessarily. You don't find no. that in your Oscar bait prestige pictures. You yeah. find that on the fringe. And let's and let's be fair for a second, because we do we do talk about fringe and normcore and and stuff like that with very derisively. We watch normcore movies oh, absolutely. all the time. There's nothing wrong with enjoying popcorn. We watch almost every MCU project that comes I think out. I've seen every MCU movie except I'm behind. for Black Widow. I'm behind, but like we 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 watch that shit, and there's nothing wrong. And we talk with about that. John Wick, a blockbuster franchise, all the time. Right. There's nothing wrong with that, but there is something about like really. Uh, expanding your mind, man, and like it's... going out there and and really exploding the boundaries of what you think cinema and art can be. That's what movies are for me because mm-hmm. it's, and that's what uh, drew me to comics for such a long time is it's the perfect blend of novel and movie. Like you right. get the visual aspect, you get the writing aspect. It's, it's an incredible blend. And I still believe that about comics. It's just my yeah. hyper focus has, sh- has shifted to movies. Yeah. I do not understand anybody who just, and this is part of my problem with Harry Potter. Sure. People will read Harry Potter and that's it. Sure, sure. They don't move beyond that. And I'm like, it's not okay, necessarily you Harry Potter that you can't stand. It's the f- it's it's the way that fans treat it. From what I've also been exposed to, the books are not particularly well written. Okay, that's you can and have J.K. Rowling. You're allowed is that opinion. Fucking terrible. She is. That's unquestionable. But my point is, I never understand anybody who doesn't want to see something new. Yeah. Like I don't rewatch movies a lot. So me in college. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just, 
you see something you enjoy, you, my instinct is like, okay, how can I trace this thread? Mm -hmm. What else can I see? Like, Mm -hmm. even if it's not by this director with these actors, what has this vibe? Right. And that's sort of what this podcast is about. It's a celebration of finding something new. I met someone recently who is in a very similar place now that I was in college. And it was Mm -hmm. a weird sort of like, sort of marking your journey kind of moment. Was this your doppelganger? It was. It was. Okay. What did you say his name was again? Arturo Shabazz. Arturo Shabazz. I did. I didn't. I did mean to say you, when you were saying it was really spooky because I have actually met Arturo Shabazz. Okay. I wish you would have brought that up then. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was gonna save it for off mic, but it's, since we're talking about it anyway. Sure. And Arturo Shabazz said like a lot of similar things to what I used to say. Like, oh man, I hate modern art and and stuff like that. There was a moment I distinctly remember uh, when. I throughout my my childhood, I I made all the same comments about modern art you hear everywhere. Like, oh, it's just it's just like a bunch of splash of colors. Oh, my kid could do that. My dog could do that. There's a moment when, if you're me, you're you're growing up and you're looking at modern art. You're looking at 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 Van Gogh and the modern art of the past that is now considered traditional art, and and all this stuff. And you're like, oh man, that's people used to know how to do it back then. Nobody knows how to do it anymore. And there's a, there's a moment when you find a modern art piece that just kind of clicks clicks, and suddenly your mind changes and you're like, everything I thought I knew was wrong. Yeah. Dadaism was that for me where okay. I saw... You saw the toilet. I saw the toilet. Well, you saw, saw the, Duchamp's toilet. I saw the like, toilet combined with the story of how it came to be like what Dadaism was of how, how Dadaism was just about like saying fuck you to the world and i was like now being angry i can understand and gotcha so and that like but that that's why you love jubilee so much and that opened yeah that opened my mind to movies like jubilee that opened my mind to be able to understand to one day be able to understand things like lynch to be able to one day understand things like jan schwankmeyer's alice uh to, to be able to enjoy a crazy bizarre shit where now this upcoming year talking about to wanting to see weirder films i'm dedicating uh myself to introducing some tartakovsky on this show i uh, uh you mean tarkovsky I, tar, tar, uh, tarkovsky tarkovsky andre tarkovsky uh, uh yeah tartakovsky gendy tartakovsky is the guy who did <laughs> uh samurai jack i'm talking about yeah tarkovsky uh, the soviet filmmaker the tarkovsky. soviet filmmaker because i desperately want to get into his okay shit. um yeah I have seen of his. Well, we can talk about that. We we'll we'll talk out. about that. Um, but I'm just saying that's something I never would have even considered. Yeah. In college, because in college, all I cared about was uh, when can I watch more Star Wars and or Batman. There's nothing wrong with watching Star Wars no. and or Batman, and I do it often. And but, we're going to go see the new Batman in theaters. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but like, yeah, there there's something about really blowing up your idea of what art can be that I think is beneficial to people. And it doesn't even need to be art. Like Mm -hmm. street fighter is not art. Sure. We could, you could argue that it, (laughs) I have a broader definition of art. I think, but that's, but sure. I'm not, I'm, it's not trying to be art on the same way as Tarkovsky or Lynch or Zulowski. It's not trying to expand your idea of humanity. It's trying to have a lot of blood and guts. Yeah. Which is fucking great. Yes. And it's something different and it does it in a different way. Like it doesn't, 
expanding your horizons doesn't need to be all art, all foreign films or whatever. Sure. Sometimes be... it's watching Ricky O and just oh fuck yeah, being very confused. Just sometimes <laughs> it's yeah, sometimes yeah. it's watching fucking nobody and being like oh shit, a sixty year old man can who's not Keanu Reeves can kick ass. Sometimes it's like it does. It doesn't have to be quote unquote boring or mm-hmm. artsy like. Sometimes it's watching Paddington 2 and Sometimes being like, watching Paddington 2. you know what, maybe if they did introduce more baking classes in prisons, things would be better in the world. <laughs> Sometimes it's watching fucking Violence Voyager. Sometimes it's Horse Girl. Sometimes it's... Oh, man. Horse Girl, I would say, is more high art than Violence Voyager, but... Violence Voyager is a masterpiece. Fucking Repo Man. <laughs> fucking Repo Man, man. Fucking Repo Man. Uh, and Repo Man is... Well, I've... Oh, sorry. That has nothing to do with anything. Continue what you were saying. I was just going to say, like, Repo Man is a big part of my drive. Like, I yeah. want to find that energy. Also seeing 2001 Space Odyssey as a young man. Like, mm-hmm. See, 2001 Space Odyssey is what killed art movies for me when I was really, young. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. I didn't watch it and be like, fall in love with it. Sure. I just watched it and the Stargate sequence scared the fuck out of me to the point where I ran upstairs. That's awesome. But... Here's a big distinction. I rented, this was after a surgery, mm-hmm. uh, and my dad took me to Fox Video on mm-hmm. the Crick Road. Sure. And I got to rent two VHS tapes, and I chose 2001 A Space Odyssey because I started reading Ebert at that point. Nice. And going through his great movies. Or it could have been because it was referenced in The Simpsons, and I was like, this was referenced in The Simpsons. I need to understand the source material. Either way, I rented that yeah. and Space Cowboys because I loved Clint Eastwood. Right. I fell asleep during Space Cowboys. Right. But I was riveted. I did not fall... I don't know that I was riveted, but I did not fall asleep during 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. a very slow and boring movie. True. I think that that ex- is, explains why you loved it, going into it from, I got to rent a VHS tape because in this book that Ebert wrote about how great it was, let's yeah. watch it. The reason I watched 2001 A Space Odyssey is because I had seen Star Wars... And I had seen the 80s Star Trek movies. Yeah. And I was like, I want to watch more 80s science... Oh, an alien. And I was like, I want to see more 80s science fiction. One, that's not 80s. Neither is alien. The 70s and the 80s were the same thing at the time to me. Gotcha. So I went to my li- local library and was like what movies were made in that window of time where they have those those ships that's, that are made uh, that way yeah, that's and uh, i put it in and nobody got shot with a laser beam once nobody ever got eaten you by an alien monster then? i watched it in college i think i'm due for a rewatch you might want to um i think the only thing that has kept me from watching it since is uh that just in general i don't like kubrick that's understandable. Yeah, just because what, oh, I can't... Kubrick have you seen? I've seen... My favorite Kubrick movie is Dr. Strangelove. Of course. Because I love George C. Scott and Mind I love... Mind her, I can walk! Peter Sellers is uh, a comedy god. <laughs> just fantastic. I have seen The Shining. I finally learned how to like The Shining recently. I still don't like it, but I like it. Uh, it's complicated. Um, and I've seen 2001. Okay. Um, I feel I think, like I've seen something else. I don't No, I don't think I have. I think you're at the point where you would be receptive to, especially a clockwork orange. I do need to watch that. And eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. 
I, I, oh, and I've seen, not the movie, but I have seen the Arlie, the famous Arlie Ermy scene. Oh, Full Metal Jacket. From Full Metal you Jacket. You might enjoy Full Metal Jacket. Okay. It's, it took me a couple watches to appreciate it. Um, it, the problem with there, I have a lot of problems with Stanley Kubrick. The main problem is every time I'm watching a Stanley Kubrick movie, the whole time, all I'm thinking of a fucking asshole directed this, a fucking asshole yeah, directed this, that a doesn't fucking help. asshole directed this. That really doesn't Kind of like whenever you're reading Harry Potter and you're like a fucking transphobe wrote this, a fucking transphobe wrote this, yeah. a fucking transphobe wrote this. And also the Irish stereotypes and the Jew goblins and the, uh. Oh yeah, no, the Jew goblins is real. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a thing that happens in the, those books. Um, no, the the goblin bankers. Yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, oh, you're agreeing. You're not. I'm, being sarcastic. I'm fully okay. agreeing with you. Yes, but it, there's also an Irish kid who like blows shit up, like the IRA. Is that is that an IRA joke? Yeah, I never got that. I yeah. never got that. I thought he was just bad at magic. No. Oh, that's a bad joke. But. All right, we're about an hour 36. Anything else you want to say for the last episode of the year? For the last episode of the year, um, uh, this has been a tough year. It's been a tough two years. Yeah. Uh, it's been good to have this show to come back to, to be to be consistent with uh, every week and uh, or, or every couple of weeks. However we can do it. Our schedules are crazy. We mm-hmm. both have mental health issues. Yeah. We both now have full-time jobs. Yes. So it's, so I don't know what schedule this is going to have in the next year. I want to keep doing the show as long as we can do it. Sure. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I really enjoy doing the show. I'm glad that the people who do listen to it consistently tell me that they have enjoyed listening to yeah. it. And I, I hope we can do more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this show is a blast to do. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, sometimes it's a terrible burden. <laughs> For no no conceivable result aside from masturbatory self-satisfaction. Sure. Um, but uh, thank you, the people who do listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like the 13 people, the 10, eight people. Yeah. Uh, Billy keeps tweeting out. Hopefully we can mm-hmm. grow our audience somehow. I should do more on the Insta, <laughs> but uh, social media is difficult for me. I really should have had you <laughs> create that account. Um, it's all right. I understand. But yeah, in the coming year, I know we've already talked about, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of movies we could do. Sure. We're definitely going to do Pontypool for my birthday. Fucking A. It's one of my favorite movies, and I and love talking about it. It's a tremendous film. Very weird. Very We're probably going to do Dragon Inn. We might do a double whammy for my birthday. Sure. Dragon Inn, one of my favorite movies. Uh, not necessarily a very, like a one on the weird scale. Yeah. But it should be more widely known, and I just fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter. Uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion Jailhouse 41. Ooh, yes. Um, Streets of Fire. Another movie we watched this year that uh, we didn't get to talk about here that we should definitely talk about on the show, Female Trouble. Female Trouble, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like we said, Valerie in a Week of Wonders, Coffin Joe, Possessor. Perdita Durango. Perdita Durango. Um, baby Blood. Ooh, Baby Blood. We didn't talk about Baby Blood. The Night is Short, Walk On Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and a ton of other stuff. I want to do some Russ Meyer stuff. 
Yes. Uh, I want to continue the journey on down the John Waters train. I want to talk about more Lynch, because we, we always talk about Lynch, but we never actually talk about Lynch. Because Lynch has been talked about so much. Sure. I want to at least do Wild at Heart if we're going to do pre, pre Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We can do a double feature. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we... We love movies. We love talking about movies. We mm-hmm. love sharing the movies we love. We, what we need to do, mm-hmm. because it makes for better episodes, as much as we love talking about movies we love, yeah. we need to talk about more trash we don't love. <laughs> because those are the better, funnier episodes. Uh, we need to yeah. find a good mix. Yeah. But uh, thank you for listening, if you are listening. Yeah. We might meet John Waters next year. Who knows? Uh, I there's He's coming to Phoenixville. I might pay for the meet and greet. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what we we'll see what we can do. It's not till May. We can save. That's true. We can we save. can save, and it's since it's we can talk about it. We'll talk about but, it. But uh, thank you. I hope your year was acceptable, and maybe this year will be better than the last. And may God have mercy on us all. Oh, please. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.